got that blast beats and bikes down at McAllister College. I'm putting off of my city like she puts on nail polish. No way, go ahead. They on their wallets. They want it. They drink like alcoholics. Going in abolish. I come through on the stage. No, I misbehave. I'm coming out the cage. Got a cover like rage. And if they want to come back, then they know that they heard it. Because when I got that energy, I'm going to disperse it. We coming at you. We coming at you. Chilling with my dogs, they call it the dog catcher. We coming at you. We coming at you. Chilling with my dogs, they call it the dog catcher. Last beats and bikes, say what they like. I'm out best. No wait, just like rifle, they grab the rifle, so insightful, come and go collect it. Cause they didn't know they bred farm and throw an interception. If they want to come with it, I spin it, I get specific, I get prolific. They are eclipsing, they miss it, I'm double fisting, I christen, I'm the given. It's God given, I'm coming to spit the sickness. We coming at ya, we coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs, they calling a dog catcher. We coming at ya, we coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs, they calling a dog catcher. Is this metal enough for the show yet, Jay? Jay, we're coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs, they calling the dog catcher. We coming at ya. We coming at ya. Chilling with my dogs, they calling the dog catcher. Welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM WMCN, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm your host, Jason Lardy, and uh, I am fighting the anthrax, not the band, the illness, and so I apologize in advance for the quality of my voice, but I'm really excited to let most of the talking go to the boys in Stormbreaker. Gentlemen, welcome. Hello. We're very excited to have you all in studio. Why don't we go around the room and have you each introduce yourselves, and then we'll get into some good meaty questions for you. I'm Joe. I play the bass. I'm Logan Lobrick. I play the drums. I'm Logan Stalker, and I play guitar. I'm Billy Schlump, and I play guitar. Chris Seeley, and I sing. Welcome, gentlemen. It's great to have you here. I think we got to figure out a new seating arrangement because we can't have two Logans sitting right next to each other. That's, <laughs> you know, Stalker. You, I would need you to come up a little closer, Stalker, since you're always in the front. We'll put uh, Logan Lobrick back in the back where he belongs, right? <laughs> Gentlemen, you've had quite a run lately. You've had a lot of great gigs, um, but let's start with your trip to Mecca. You guys just played a couple of shows in December at uh, the Whiskey the Whiskey A Go Go in uh, in L.A. Talk a little bit about what that was like. It was yeah. something, yeah. Yeah, we were super fortunate to have the opportunity. Um, we kind of just took a chance and sent them our music and said we'd love to come down and do this. And fortunately, they thought the music was worthwhile and invited us out there uh, to support Faster Pussycat and uh, Steven Adler of Guns N' Roses. So uh, quite an experience, spiritual, I'd say. That's yeah. fantastic. And, and you, you literally sent your tapes to them. Yep. We, we did the much, first, yeah. uh, first demos from um, F5 Soundhouse here in town mm-hmm. with uh, Wally J producing yep. that for us. Um, that was our Pull the Trigger EP, and they gave it a listen and said, come on out. So Wow. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Incredible. So 
you guys opened up for uh, Steven Adler on the first show. Lilbrick, what was that like to, to sit and watch that guy play? It was literally insane. Just seeing his setup and seeing what he does and how he does it was just a dream come true to me. Yeah, I can only imagine what it was like to share the same space with the drummer from Guns N' Roses, one yeah. of the biggest bands in the world, right? Did you get a chance to watch his set? Yeah, we got a. Um, he, um, he talked to us after the sound check, and he gave him. Um, gave me a pair of his sticks wow well not only he gave you a pair of sticks you stole a stick during the show that's fantastic and so did you get a chance to get any insights from him as to what it what it takes to get to the next level um not really i didn't get a talk with him personally after the show or anything like that but i wish i did yeah that's really cool so did he listen to your sound check at all i think so yeah he watched the sound check yeah yeah what was it like? Super friendly, personable guy, oh, yeah. though. I yeah. mean, the second we walked in and we were doing setup, and he, you know, proactively comes over to us and starts a conversation. Nice. Very approachable, made sure to remember everybody's name and stuff, which um, you talk about how do you get to the next level. There's the, certainly that aspect of it, too, right? Absolutely. Knowing how to work with folks. Yeah. yeah. Even after we played, too, like right when we were done with our set, he came up to us and asked us how it went, congratulated us. So yeah. he did. Wow. That was very nice. He was nice. definitely one of the nicest people oh yeah definitely sure. that's I mean, fantastic so chris you used the word spiritual to describe being in in the whiskey what was it like when you first sort of put put your foot on that stage yeah i think um anybody who's entrenched in rock and roll as kind of a, a lifestyle right and it means a lot personally to you you're aware of the things that have occurred at the whiskey and the role that it's played in really sustaining and perpetuating the rock and roll vibe and scene right mm -hmm. so you know, Jim Morrison, Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, you know, the folks that have been on that stage and performed there, um, Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, I mean, just the list goes on. So to just be in the presence of that room and the sound waves that have been created there was, um, you know, that's as close as church for me, I guess. So <laughs> pretty cool. Did they have some things on the walls, you know, sort of, you know, hist history and memorabilia? Oh, yeah. Those? Yeah, there's tons there's of There's a few stuff. gold discs up there, oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. And so what was the setup backstage like? I mean, what was the green room like? Did they have a, was it, was it really well appointed or was it kind of the dingy CBGB style? It was definitely dingy. They had separate <laughs> slots for <laughs> opening bands and then a big area for the big national headliner. headliner. Yeah. Yep. But it's very cool though. That's great. Still very awesome to I did get a peek into there. the headliner's room. It was, it was nice. Then, yeah. yeah, the headliner was... That was legit. They had a table, you know. Right. <laughs> and a fridge. Did, did you have on your rider that only green M&Ms and all that stuff? Did you do that rock star bit? No. <laughs> no we just said, we'll try to stay out of your no, way. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity. Exactly. And I'm, I'm assuming the staff is super professional there, and they really oh, helped yeah. you dial it in with staff your sound. Probably the best yeah. we've ever sounded. No, sounded, it was yeah. the best we've sounded. Like, it makes such a difference. Like, unreal. Mm -hmm. Do you have recordings? We do. We're working on... Uh, chopping up and editing a, a full the we had the full length recording done professionally and we're working on putting that together right now so hopefully wow. we'll get that out for folks pretty soon here that's great so how big was the room what was the capacity of the of the crowd uh, what is the capacity like about 500 350 something like that yeah. this is certainly not more than five. that's what it says on google anyway right. but it's like uh it kind of feels like um for folks in town uh same size roughly as maybe 7th street but it's got like a 7th Street entry but it's got like a loft in the back too so it hmm. kind of extends back that way it kind of doubles it up yeah mm -hmm. I would say it's yeah. probably like capacity wise it's not too far away from first hour no yeah. a little bigger but yeah, not by yeah, much really and how were the how was the crowd that first night with Steven Adler how big was it was it full it was sold out I believe I think both nights they sold the yeah sold the place out we and they were, were yeah. they were rowdy it was a, it was a blast I mean yeah. they were they were there, there, crowd they were it, there yeah. for yeah. the music and they were there for the bands as yeah. opposed to like not I guess yeah. yeah for other reasons yeah so how, how was the crowd response I mean did you guys get good response people seemed to enjoy us yeah no one seemed to not enjoy it <laughs> everybody wanted my guitar pick wow who wanted you good yeah yeah everybody so, were throwing yeah, out picks yeah. and sticks yeah, and people were like so people wanted them, some so. picks. wow <laughs> yeah. that's fantastic yeah. you know a lot of times you see especially the big national show touring shows you know people just sort of stand there with their arms crossed with while, while the opening band plays yeah. and you didn't get that vibe at all. No. It was a good time, you know. It was like in, the, in between Christmas and New Year's. Mm -hmm. No one's at work. No one's annoyed. <laughs> Probably just having a nice Everybody time. having a good time, right? And uh, you, you played two nights back-to-back. -back. The first was with Steven Adler. The second one was Faster Pussycat. What was it like to play with those guys? 
Um, so the first night was faster. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. No yep. problem. But we did have a Friday, Saturday night setup, which was awesome. Um, and faster, we'd actually had the opportunity um, to open for before here in town at Route 47. Okay. Um, which was really cool. Um, so to connect with those guys again mm-hmm. and see you know them put on the awesome show that they always mm-hmm. do um, and be able to. Hopefully, we showed up a little stronger this time too as well. So um, that was that was really cool. Yeah. It's kind of their home turf too, right? I mean, they they, yeah. they started in L.A. and yeah. that they played they the kind whiskey of a lot. That uh, whole scene a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So what was uh, what was their feedback from from watching you guys the second time? Did they did they have any comments about you know how far you've come? So our interactions with them is mostly with their tour manager and. Uh, They've been super positive. I think that the thing, the takeaway for me from those guys as well as Adler is just like genuine support kind of vibe. Not like they're physically helping us out do stuff, but um, they want to see bands succeed and they want to see the scene continue to grow. Um, and so they they operate that way. Which that's is fantastic. Really cool. Yeah. I mean, I got to believe playing for a crowd that's there to see them is is motivating for you right because you get a chance to expose yourselves to to a bunch a bunch of new people who might not have ever heard of you yeah did you notice any difference in your spotify plays after that it probably uh, didn't hurt it didn't hurt yeah, 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 probably, yeah it was probably not, fine no. yeah um but recently we've uh so heartless is a, is a tune that i think we might hear mm-hmm. um that one's been picked up quite a bit on spotify and the streaming platforms in general and we probably saw a pretty good bump in that after mm-hmm. The, the trip out west so that's great yeah. that's great and how long did you guys get on stage when you it was were about there? 45 minutes each night I mean we pushed on the second night we pushed it maybe closer to an hour because why wouldn't you as long as they let us stay up there we're gonna do it yeah, <laughs> yeah they didn't shut our sound off so we no. presumed they didn't throw anything A or anything no, no. <laughs> that's great what was kind of the most memorable moment for you when you were up there on the stage Logan maybe talk a little bit about that um, probably when I broke my stick and I had to go behind um, Steven Adler's drums and take one of his sticks because I was going to have any more sticks with me. So That, yeah. Do you, did, was it like right in the middle of an important part of the song? or were you No, it was like, I mean, when the stick broke, I had to play with a broken stick for the rest of the song. And then yeah, the second okay. the song ended, I just had to go back behind his kid and just grab one of his sticks. Wow. So you hit pretty hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you should have run up behind and just whipped the cover off and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> And you obviously had a chance. I saw some pictures of you guys sitting at a, couple, a pretty famous table at the Rainbow. Yep. Um, that's kind of like joint number two yep. in, oh, yeah. in L.A. It what was, was it like? Every to, day. Like every we, day. Were, we did, yeah. They hated we were us by the time. We don't live there because yeah. I think we'd be there every day. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think the they, last time I was there, they were like, oh, you still here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think they even like reposted of that photo of us on their Instagram. They really? Yeah. 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 Wow. That's a big deal. Oh, yeah. That was, that was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Well, they're so they're... Um, as far as I know, and there's probably more detail that I'm not aware of, but they're owned and operated by the same, you know, family and team. Mm-hmm. And so there's really some good, like, connectivity between those venues, and they know who's going where, and mm-hmm. uh, they just very hospitable. They treat folks really well. That's great. And uh, that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, I can only imagine what that must have felt like. I mean, a lot of stuff has gone down in that place as well. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> hey, it's a family show, Joe. <laughs> and so uh, you obviously lived the rock and roll lifestyle. Did you get a chance to make any connections in the music business while you were out there beyond some of the folks that you met through the Rainbow and the Whiskey? We did. Um, I think our perspective on like what's the measure of success for this trip um, was probably uh, – make sure folks aren't running out the door while we're playing and and that would be good enough you know um, just to show up and do the the best that we could Mm -hmm. um but as a result of the shows when we came back we did hear uh from a few folks um who are part of that um music scene Mm -hmm. uh, in hollywood and and uh asked us about potentially coming out to record with them or or elsewhere uh, kind of thing um but for now we we love our guy wally j here in town Mm -hmm. at f5 soundhouse so yeah um, but it was cool to have that kind of validation, like, oh, I guess we are maybe on to something. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. And certainly having those kind of contacts to grow and build on, you know, and keep in touch with as you do new things or as you start to think about touring, you know, more broadly, yeah. definitely helpful, right? Take it with a grain of salt, too, right? Because I think there's a lot of folks out there who, oh, here comes this band from the Midwest. And, right. you know, maybe they have, you know, money to spend or something with uh, with somebody and mm-hmm. they can kind of pull one over on you. So yeah. you just got to be careful about that yep absolutely 
I mean, there's plenty of cautionary tales right. of people mm -hmm. having bad bad interactions out there for sure. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we've got I've got a couple of tunes we want to play today. You mentioned Heartless a little bit earlier, Chris. Uh, it's been around for a couple couple months now. I guess it's the late fall. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Seems like a fitting song for sort of a Valentine's Day hangover, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk a little bit about that song. What's the uh, What are we going to hear out of that song? Sure. So um, Heartless is one of my favorites personally that, that we've ever written. Um, it's got uh, a bit of a ballad vibe to it, um, but it's I'd say. Um, less of a love song when you think about ballads. Um, everybody knows somebody who struggles with addiction and deals with that in different ways. Um, some folks are able to reach out for help and others not. Um, so really it's just kind of personal perspective on um, that topic. Mm -hmm. yep. From a musical perspective, how did it come together? What was the, the genesis of the, of the riff? Just kind of, I was kind of noodling in the D minor chord and then just kind of kept climbing up and then showed it to the boys and then we just kind of put it together as spinal tap says d minor is the saddest of all keys right <laughs> yep, <laughs> <it is. laughs> all right well i think we're gonna get a chance to listen to that this is gonna be heartless from stormbreaker
We are back in studio with Stormbreaker. This is Blast Beats and Bicycles here at 91.7 FM, McAllister College Radio, WMCN in St. Paul, Minnesota. So uh, that was really, I love the different elements of that song. That Heartless is just, it starts out with that ballady tone that you guys talked about coming into the song. But then there's that really syncopated midsection that's really cool. And I'm really curious to know how you brought all those riffs, those different aspects of the song together. It's just. How did we do it? <laughs> I, that's, yeah, that's what I'm trying to think. <laughs> It's just so good. It how is. It it's just amazing. Sometimes I think they just come and you don't really remember how you put it together or what inspired you to put it that way or just kind of wrote itself. Yeah. yeah. More yeah. you just, I just, I guess really when I write a song, if I have a riff, I'll just keep replaying that same riff. Mm-hmm. So when I had the chord progression, I like replayed that constantly, and constantly, mm-hmm. and constantly. And eventually you'll start to almost just naturally want your hands to go somewhere else mm-hmm. in that key on the fretboard. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you just kind of build it, keep building it up. Yeah. Usually. At least what's kind of how I do it. So Logan does a really nice job helping us out. Like once we get to, you know, you've got the riff, you play the progression and it's hard to envision, you know, how, what are the changes going to be? What mm-hmm. is the dynamic of the song? And that's where, you know, he comes in with the ideas on the beats and, where to kind of break things up a little bit. Yeah, I love the syncopation on that midsection. I just think that's a really fun, especially with those rolling guitar notes at the front end, you know? I mean, it's sort of slow and, you know, sort of lyrical almost. And then you come in with that sort of backbeat, and it's really a great uh, counterposition, I think, to that that song. How How did you think about that relative to the intro of the song? I don't know. I just, it just came to me. I don't know, I'm really hard to describe it. <laughs> I, you guys really have a very thoughtful process, right? <laughs> we try to have some this kind of... all idea. by accident. <laughs> well, i got to believe there's a lot of building, too, right? You know, yeah. you, see, you oh, hear yeah. a riff and you hear something that sounds mm-hmm. great and you say, oh, this will match up really nicely with, with that as well. You just can kind of hear things in your head, exactly. I guess. Yep. And yep. you hear it in your head and then you find a way to put it onto your drum kit or mm-hmm. onto your fretboard or... yeah into a melody of some sort yeah I mean you find that it, it, this is the kind of the song where it, it has that slow build and even in the solo you know it's very slow and bendy mm-hmm. but then it really starts to pick up toward the end do you, do you worry about the song like getting ahead of itself when you're, when you're sort of ramping up the tempo like that I think the the idea generally is um, to make it interesting for the listener while not missing the point of what we're trying to do sure and a lot of times that you know that dynamic of not a crescendo overall, mm-hmm. but you know, start kind of nice and easy, and then by the end, we're ideally shredding something with maybe double harmony, you know, dual leads or yep. something like that. But Stalker did a heck of a job on this particular solo. I think it's probably one of my favorites that we have on record. So. It's thank you. Yep. Yeah, it's it's really good. I mean, you can obviously play the technical stuff, and the end of the very end of the song, you really start to shred. But that that's Bill's at the end, right there. Is that really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, like, a, it's a great back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is a great back and forth when you think about the oh, two yeah, different types sure. of solos, mm-hmm. and it's fun to have have you guys, you know, sort of work that together. The dual lead, Thank yeah. You, yeah, trio. How do you, how do you decide who's going to take what when you have that sort of a dual lead opportunity? F- uh, fight. <laughs> yeah, that's what we normally there's, do. There's, yeah. Obviously, you always, you know, want to have everybody wants a solo for sure. Usually, I think it kind of depends on who's writing the song and, mm-hmm. and how it came to them and how it got put together in their mind. And then mm-hmm. usually if somebody isn't going to have a main solo, then we'll be like, hey, you can take an outro or we'll do a harmony, try to fit that in. But honestly i think it's cooler if we can it personally it's awesome if you can switch back and forth oh, yeah. you know because mm-hmm. then you're both you know shredding you're both getting some time up there and it looks cool the crowd likes it you yeah know? we're both very fair to each other we make sure to give each other enough time to do what we want to do so. try to be right yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's no elbows being thrown on stage we're, we're good sports. <laughs> we're good sports and then and then the rest of us just remind them that there are other parts to the song <laughs> right. the, solo. the whole song doesn't need to be a guitar solo i beg to differ <laughs> right. i agree <laughs> and Chris, uh, you're, you're responsible for all the lyrics in the band. How, uh, at what point in the songwriting process do you bring the lyrics together? Is it, do you have a bunch of stuff written and you're just kind of waiting for a good riff to attach to? Or are you waiting to hear what the song fleshes out to and then... Yeah, I'd say for me, the majority of the time, it's um, riff and instruments first, at least kind of the, 
the foundation of like what is the song going to sound like um, as opposed to just having lyrics and then trying to apply them to mm -hmm. something um, and I try to go from the riff and then start working on melodies and um, uh, phrasing mm -hmm. so if the the melody is offering harmony opportunities and the phrasing is catchy without you know kind of derailing the song then the lyrics come into play and yeah. try to fit it into that but you yeah. start with the idea you know this is going to be a ballad more or less and then we're going to work exactly. around that yep. yeah that makes yep. a lot of sense yep. well it's, it really came together as a, as a great tune i mean it does start out you know in that very <clears throat> slow easy ballad feel and then it really does ramp up and i i love it that's one of my favorite songs by you guys thank you thank you, thank yeah. you. uh joe i can't let the interview go too far without talking about your international celebrity mm. <laughs> he, he's been waiting <laughs> <laughs> so uh so for those of you who don't know joe is from the uk originally yeah and uh right you're no longer european no longer no <laughs> well you know are you, are you an american yet uh no no is that I part I'm, of I, guess, I, I guess i'm nothing <laughs> i'm really in the gray area you said you weren't gonna bring it up a man without a country yeah <laughs> but uh recently you had there was an article written about you in your hometown newspaper the Hartlepool mail there was yeah yeah uh what uh what kind of uh feedback have you gotten from your old mates back home uh, um <laughs> it was interesting it's it's probably the most publicity that newspaper has gotten in years because <laughs> they just I mean they're probably just amazed that someone in America has ever heard of it right <laughs> <laughs> um, but no it's I, the only person I ever I asked what it was like was my mother so yep. I called her and I asked you know what's is, do people like it is it okay and she was she was like, yeah, yeah, I got stopped in the supermarket last night. Someone asked me about it. And I was like, oh, your boy's doing good, isn't he? <laughs> like, great. And I was like, did you buy him? So I assume you bought the paper. And she's like, yeah, I bought 10 copies. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Probably, um, you know, among the highest selling, you know, issues of the newspaper, right? I like to think so. <laughs> and it has to feel good to sort of bump the local soccer club off the front page too, right? I mean, <laughs> sadly, very sadly indeed, our, our football club isn't really it's never going to be front page news <laughs> where Hartlepool is up near the, the Scottish border right it's, yeah it's, it's in the north of England yeah northeast on the coast um, close to Scotland drivable after mm -hmm. I've been to Scotland in a car before um, yeah it's you know it's small um, Yannick Gers from Iron Maiden is there from there though is that which right which is weird wow because people just see him Right, like just He's around, and like, oh, there he is. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> there he is. Have you seen him? <laughs> I haven't. Uh, so that that makes him the the second most second popular. most popular person yeah. from my hometown. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's interesting. Have you ever met him? Did you meet him? No, when you were a kid? I've, I've I've heard people. People would always be like, oh yeah, I know, I know yeah. Yannick. That's great. He's like, yeah. <laughs> Does he know you? No. <laughs> So you've been here for now, what, almost four years, right? Pushing five, pushing yeah. six, maybe. And so did you come specifically with the idea that you wanted to get into the music business? No, I, I, I mean, I was, well, I was 14. Um, I, didn't know, I didn't know what I was going to do the week, you know, next week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I just came because, you know, England is fine. I love mm -hmm. it. But America is America. Right. And I think it gets lost on Americans how big of a deal it is to come to America I know Eddie Murphy did a movie about it but <laughs> like it is it, it's, a, it's, it's a big thing like, yeah. like I was walking around we went, when we went to LA in December I was walking around just like I shouldn't be here like you know yeah was and the way my life LA? Uh, second but like you know going going on holidays sure. different but yep. you know people from people from where I'm from it doesn't doesn't happen yeah like and so when you when you first arrived in the U.S., did you imagine that you'd be in a band playing? No, no, <laughs> no. And what? Uh, so how did? What was the progression like for you to get in as uh, from there? You know, as a fourteen-year-old now being in. in yeah, America? well, it was just it was one of those. I I always owned guitars because I wanted to play them and I wanted to be cool, but mm -hmm. just didn't have the energy, yeah. time. Um, and then I met. Bill and Logan, you know, bass player wanted, and I was like, "Oh, I own a bass. I'll, <laughs> that makes me a bass you know, player." Yeah, I'll go, I'll go and do that. And then they turned out to actually be good. And I was like, "Well, all right, I should also try and be good." Yeah. And who were some of your inspirations early on uh, playing the bass? Oh, 
Duff from Guns N' Roses was a big one because he was like one of the first bands I listened to where you could actually hear the bass playing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, people like everyone. Everyone's good. Yeah. Except for the people that aren't, and I don't <laughs> listen to those. So the people that are good, you know. Well, you've, you've got a Buzzcock shirt on, and I know when you were here yeah. the last time, just like almost a year to the day. I know, You yeah. guys were here last. It's, it was, It's kind of yeah. crazy. Um, but, you, I mean, you obviously have a sort of a punk. Yeah. Um, I think anyone who listens to the heavier side of music from the UK likes punk rock. Mm -hmm. um, just because there's a less of a distinction between it. Like, we had bands like that would just do both, would mm -hmm. be heavy at the same time, but also be fast. Yeah. And that's... I'm not fast in my own life so I listen to music that is and then <laughs> right makes up for it's it a good, it's a good outlet for you <laughs> yeah you guys uh, we were talking earlier uh, about the concept that you were originally sort of a three piece mm, right yes what does it feel like now that you've grown into a five piece unit how does that change and what is, what are some of the things that you've been able to do differently it makes it feel like to me it just makes it feel like when we were three piece was a far longer time ago than it is it's like, oh, like, you know, you get, like, your Facebook memories and whatever. Yep. I got, yeah, like, I got one from two years ago, and we were only just... I don't even think I'd met you two years ago right. from this day. You know what I mean? It's been, like, maybe a year and a half. Yeah. 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 Wow. And it's one of those things, like, it feels like... Longer. A decade ago, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? It like way longer. So you've obviously grown into a really cohesive group and yeah. feel like you've really gelled as, as musicians, huh? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And, and as you look back on some of those songs that you'd played... As a as a three piece, yeah. how do you compare those to what you do what you're doing today? Not even close. Yeah, yeah, not even in the close. same book, you know. Yeah, the, I the, the, I, I, go ahead. Chris. I mean, the big uh, difference I think is certainly the dual lead mm -hmm. um, guitar sound. Yeah. Um, it opens up a lot of different opportunities for changing the dynamics of the song mm -hmm. and just having more layers and things that are interesting to hear. Right. Yeah. So um, those guys had the foundation built, and then we just they nicely let us uh, come in and modify it a little bit. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and so as you start to think about, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff coming up uh, this year for you guys. Um, let's start with maybe the Amsterdam gig next next Saturday. Talk a little bit about what you guys are doing uh, at the Amsterdam. You're, play, you're opening for Dare Force. Um, yes. And you guys are going to be on stage at what time? Uh, yep. So we've got, um, let's see, just to make sure I get this info right. Uh, it is next Saturday. Yep. The 22nd. Yeah, week from today. Uh, doors are 6 p.m. Um, music starts at 6.30 uh, with our buddies in Abia. Um, super cool band. You'll want to check them out. Um, and uh, we'll be playing, I think, third. So we've got Revenant Soul on the bill as well. And then Stormbreaker. Um, and then we're just super stoked to be teaming up with Dare Force. Um, those guys have had such a great influence, um, you know, here locally, but nationally and, and elsewhere. So... Uh, to be part of that um, is really cool, and they're super nice guys and uh, working on some new things as well. So be interested to see what, what they've got uh, in the works. But $10 in advance if you want to get tickets. They're on sale right now, uh, which saves you 5 bucks versus the door. So go get tickets. I think uh, hopefully we'll pack this place. Yeah. I know I'm going to try and bring out as many people as I can because it's a it's awesome. a great Thank venue. You. Dare Force puts on a great show. You guys put on a great show. It's going to be a lot of fun to see you all on, up on that stage. Is that the first time you've played the Amsterdam? It's a five piece. As all of us, yeah, mm -hmm. the three of us did it a few times. But yeah, that was a little while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've done a nice job establishing that venue as kind of a must play and a must see mm -hmm. here yeah. in town. Um, the staff there very professional and on top of things so it's been really cool to work with them and um, we just they feed you the, they give you oh, food free fries do, yeah. yeah we went up, the, the first time we played there we did a sound check and then we went back and there was a tray full of like sliders and fries I was like I know the first who time needs I saw, the first time I saw food you know I was going to a show there and the I saw food going back to the to the green room I'm like wait that's a thing yeah <laughs> amazing that's that's great and the food there is really really exactly yeah, yeah. yeah and you know I have to say uh, that's probably the best sounding room in town I think no, the, awesome. the, the staff there do a great job with the sound. So yeah. you guys are going to be in really good hands. That's been a while, so I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, thinking about your style of music, which very much has, you know, sort of an homage to the 80s sound and a very, you know, highly 
thought of 80s band what's what do you guys want to show the crowd you know when you're on a on a bill like that well our our job as part of being on that bill is to warm up the crowd for dare force mm-hmm. and make sure that they have a great night mm-hmm. um, so that's what we're going to do and prioritize um, but that said um, you know we're not here to replicate or compete with an 80s sound that's already out there right um, i think heavily influenced by 80s um, especially from a guitar playing standpoint mm-hmm. is what we'd like to accomplish but keep our own kind of modern spin on it yeah um it's yeah. it's a unique niche and, and it's one i really appreciate because so much of contemporary metal is very monolithic you know what i mean there's sort of the growly vocals and the you know the ragey distortion and mm-hmm. you guys bring a much cleaner sound that mm-hmm. that really has a nice i think it doesn't have much other play going on right now which mm-hmm. kind of makes you guys unique it's it's cool. yeah we're, we're hoping that there's um space and i guess demand i mean from a business standpoint for mm-hmm. that kind of sound in the music scene right now and you know the early indication is that there there is interest in it and so we're going to continue to pursue that until there's not yeah um, yeah. Well, and I think, you know, there's so many bands like Dare Force and other national and worldwide acts from that era that are still out playing. So yep, there's obviously sure. an audience that wants that style of music. And, you know, for you guys to bring a new spin on it is, is kind of fun for people. Yeah, it's uh, it's promising to see like Def Leppard and uh, Motley Crue and Poison still selling out uh, arenas, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, it's it's incredible. Yeah. Sure. yeah, we won't talk about Vince Neil's voice, but I can't really talk about <laughs> yeah. anybody's voice today. <laughs> and so, uh, as you guys think about a gig like that, what are some of the things that people can expect? I mean, do you have the set list all figured out already? I think we'll finalize the set list. Tomorrow. I mean, we we, yeah. we know which songs we're going to play, but we still know which order we're going to put them in. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, um, we want to, you know, showcase the best material that we think we have to play to date, and um, put it in a sequence that makes sense for the kind of vibe of the of the night. And you know, since we'll be going on third for this show in particular, um, really excited for Abia and Revenant Soul to kick things off and get it going. But you just kind of read the crowd and play to that in the moment you know you will can you, only plan so much <laughs> yeah right yeah. will you will you up, update the set list on the fly if based on what how you read the room probably not unless yeah. he like breaks we've never really had to yeah. yeah like we may have had to cut a song or two but we've never really really changed the order on it yeah if I've somebody had takes to, too long of a solo or something like that yeah <laughs> that would never happen in this band <laughs> And so, uh, are we going to hear anything new? Are there going to be any new songs in the set list? I think we'll try for that. Yeah, we have. Um, we do have a rehearsal tomorrow, and we're going to we can grind away at some stuff. You never know. Yep. Never know what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> so you feeling good about some of the new music you've got going? Yeah. yeah I think so yeah. Very yeah. Positive. I'm yep. super excited about it. That's great. Yeah. New material. How many How many new songs do you have? Kind of ready. I mean, to honestly, we've got like. Uh, a lot. We got a lot too many, like, like a lot, like so unfinished much. songs. Yeah, so like just sit there until you get inspiration. And like over the past month, we've started a lot. Yeah, yeah, yep. Right. Like that. We're aiming for a, a full length this year. So right now we're just in a, and I think we kind of hit our stride. It feels like too, in terms of songwriting and cranking out. Mm-hmm. The more songs we write, the more we have to choose from mm-hmm. that might fit the album. And so right now we're higher volume of songs versus like spending too much time on one thing yeah yeah so you're not just trying to force fit some things exactly yeah and so when you think about that release are you going to be bringing in some of the older songs that you've already released onto that or is it going to be completely new music on the on the album that's a good question probably completely probably all new stuff yeah that's fantastic that's fantastic do you have a, a vision for when that'll come out this year you're just letting just music when, it, dictate. when it's ready yeah, yeah. like that, I mean, that's the only thing we should be worried about is when yeah. it's ready like it's, it's tough to just have that inspiration on demand yeah like if you throw a deadline right you're, right. you're only handicapping yourself yeah, yeah. Right. but 2020 for sure and we've got some good things out there on the calendar you know towards the second half of the year mm-hmm. um where if we were able to get the music out uh prior to some of those shows that would be ideal yeah it's always nice to have something to put in front of people and yeah, exactly. have at the merch table obviously and right yeah <laughs> so you've got a lot of other exciting stuff happening beyond this amsterdam gig you've got uh how many shows this spring so far lined up 
Um, of the ones that we can announce right now, I think there's like three coming up. Um, we just added another one uh, this week, actually. Really excited to get down to Mankato for the first time. We're going to play uh, Busters there on March 21st. Great. Um, along with uh, City of the Week and Divide the Fall. Oh, uh, a that's a other great bands lineup. That we really um, uh, appreciate here in town. So mm-hmm. um, that one and then Amsterdam, of course. And then what am I missing on that? Uh, I think there, then we get into summertime, right? Already? I think it's really so all for summer. There's, yeah, there's yeah. a couple that we aren't yet talking about. Hopefully, we'll get those out there soon within the next couple months here, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. One of the biggest ones, and I know you've played there before, but you're playing the main stage. Is this the first time on the main stage at Rockfest? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And you're playing on Snoop Dogg Day, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Snoop Dogg. That's going to be crazy. Yeah. I, can, I can only imagine what, it's, what the crowd is going to re- how that's how the reaction from the crowd is going to be. Yeah. It'll it be should interesting. Be, should be pretty cool. Yeah. It's but probably I mean, the best thing we could have hoped for, like yeah, right. for it to so. happen. Just, we were all super excited when we saw him on the bill. Yeah, <laughs> I mean Snoop Dogg might be. The, I think you said this, Joe. He might be the biggest rock star there. You yeah, know, yeah. Like, just in terms yeah. of embodying like what it what it means to be a rock star, be out yeah. there, yeah. and yeah. so um, I think he represents it well. And certainly, it's cool to have that diversity mm-hmm. in taste and music. Um, but you look look at like Lollapalooza and some of these shows that have been going on for years. It's not a new thing, to right? Have a, but maybe maybe Midwest, it's a little bit different. It's so, it's interesting when I it is going to be interesting, <laughs> yeah. like to see how it goes down. Because I mean, it, I think it's going to bring more people who are just going to go and see Snoop. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Because Snoop doesn't come around the Midwest that often. Like, no, yeah. an outdoor festival, an outdoor, right? outdoor, so outdoor cool. festival. Yeah, yeah like. <laughs> People are going to be, yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can really, well, there's a couple things I can put it in my frame of reference, but um, Ice Cube and Ministry headlined mm-hmm. uh, Lollapalooza one year back in the 90s. Oh, yeah. I had a chance to see that, and everybody really nice. dug both. I mean, it was like the crowd was on fire for mm-hmm. both for both bands. Sounds like it's good. If it's good music, people shouldn't really it is good. too yeah, much absolutely. to complain about. It's just you think about Rockfest, and it's a very yeah. sort of monolithic style of music. I mean, it's great, but... It's interesting that know. people have more complaints about Snoop Dogg than they do about Limp Bizkit going on after that. Yeah. Like, Stoop should definitely be ahead of Limp Bizkit. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you 100%. That's interesting. Yeah. Actually, one of the best my shows. Apologies I had. to Fred Durst if you listen. <laughs> he's a big fan. He's probably calling he's in. Calling no, him. no. He's <laughs> I knew he was going to say. I, the hat comes off. Yeah, I will say that one of my favorite shows of all time was Anthrax and Public Enemy. Oh, nice. oh. you were bouncing that song a few days ago. Come on, man. Oh. Bring the noise. Yeah, <laughs> that was song. just the best, and the crowd loved it. I mean, it was like everybody was into both both bands and then when they came on stage together like literally like 600 people on stage playing that as the magical just magical yeah it was fantastic so as you you know obviously get more and more opportunities to do these larger events what what's your vision for the band i mean what's the long-term goal for stormbreaker yeah so um just so folks have that detail too july 18 is the day that we're playing rockfest on the main stage uh we uh start the day off at 11 30 a.m so hopefully you're uh Bright and early. Ready to rock early on. But, um, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Um, we're really focused on uh, the right amount of shows, I think, uh, versus oversaturating anything, especially locally here. You can't play out too much as an original band because it just becomes like a non-event. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're being careful to choose shows, um, you know, wisely, choose bands wisely that we're playing along with, and then um, really focused on the music writing and getting that full length out this year um but if we can continue to break into places like amsterdam is a great one to have um uh, medina ballroom is another great room in town mm-hmm. that we'd like to get into um playing the of main course, room of first i was the first half like, yeah we yeah, yeah we got to get there so gotta have them yeah yeah and then you know places like uh rochester mankato duluth um mm-hmm. go up north st cloud there are a lot of different places that we really haven't gone to yet that mm-hmm. we need to start covering some ground so we're going to try to look for more of those opportunities get some regional exposure and yep. continue to grow mm-hmm. locally at least are you working with a booking agency or a tour manager group of any kind or do you do it all on your own we do um most of it on our own so we don't have formal representation in terms of like a contract in place or mm-hmm. dollars associated with it um big thank you to john viking rocker um so viking rocker productions uh He's one of the folks in town that helps us identify opportunities and get mm-hmm. us on, on some of these bills. So uh, that's good to have the local support. 
do you feel like there's an opportunity for you guys to be a full time like national level touring band? Yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. That's yeah. that's, that's the goal. One of the goals. End yep. goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's one of those weird things where it actually weirdly isn't up to us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Right. Like if it was up to us, yeah. Right. But do you want to do you want to be a touring band? Yes. We'll be doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you kind of are. I mean, you've got another sure. gig coming up at the whiskey, right? Indeed. We do. Yeah. yeah. So it's. June. They, yeah, we just um, actually got um, called back from the whiskey in January, and they have uh, a couple of really cool shows coming up this year. And um, one of them, including, uh, is it is it Lynch Mob? I know that Dokken is out there. I think Dokken and Lynch Mob together. Yeah, I think so. so we obviously, looking, they're going to be on stage together at some point. Yeah, I think they're playing an encore. Sweet. That's the point. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. But we um, we're fortunate to have the opportunity to play direct support for LA Guns. Uh, with Tracy Guns and Phil Lewis um, at the helm, wow. so it's the real deal, um, and uh, we're really excited about that. June twentieth, if I didn't already just say that, and um, everybody should book a ticket and come out there. It's a yeah. blast. Yeah, yeah, most no, summer in another, California. It'll be yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, another another classic LA band, right? I mean, obviously. definitely. Yep. Clues in the night. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> and so, what are some of the things that you guys feel like you need to do? To, to move to that level I mean what are the, what are some of the things that you're working on as far as building blocks to take it to that next level I think we're we're doing the right things when it comes to songwriting and focusing on making sure that at the end of the day it's the quality of your songs and the quality of your live performance that are going to allow you to get to the next level whatever that might be mm-hmm. and if you don't have those things don't worry about the rest of it mm-hmm. um, but there is the rest of it and that's the music business itself um, just knowing how to work with folks and build relationships and do the right thing um you know each time you interact with a venue or an agent or whatever that is Mm -hmm. um those are some of the things that we're continuing to work on and then there's this whole you know marketing content promotion merch like there's there's a lot to it so yeah we're trying to figure out our divide and conquer approach i guess on some of that stuff so do you have sort of assigned responsibilities for that stuff i mean in terms of who's going to be managing the social media who's going to be in charge of merch or is it do you really do it as a group as much as you know a group of five people who have very different i mean everyone has lives where things change you know like so some people do stuff and then you know life we do it we get it done right we we try to like if if you're particularly interested in one aspect of the band as a business, then raise your hand for that and mm-hmm. and we support that and kind of let folks be somewhat autonomous in their decision making because mm-hmm. you can't please everybody, right? So we all have like Joe said five different opinions too, and usually they're pretty strong opinions. So it's best to divide and conquer and just trust your bandmates to get things done. And, yeah, yep. And you've you've had a great relationship with Wally. Uh, yes. From F5 Soundhouse, yep. yep. big man, um, and uh, he's obviously helped you build a great sound on on record, which is really cool. Do you have a label in mind for the new record? I mean, do you have? Yeah, are you thinking about how you're going to get it out there? Yeah. So um, Wally's been phenomenal in um, in helping us not only with the recording and production and getting our music out there, but also that kind of softer side of the business, um, just to understand what uh what to do next and so he's helping us kind of think through what some of those options are i mentioned mm-hmm. earlier that there's some folks out in la that were at our shows and said that they might want to work with us um but unfortunately a lot of it just comes down to dollars sure. um, it costs a ton of money to put a record together and get it out and that's only step one if you don't right. have a plan to then promote it and amplify your message across the right channels that to the right audience then you then it's really not going to go anywhere mm-hmm. um so we're focused on that stuff too. Yeah, it's uh, a lot to it. A lot of, Comes lot of down to dollars. So yeah, yeah. yeah. trying to really put together a yep. budget. You know? yep. Yeah. Well, and I got to believe that having an opportunity to go out and be in front of a bigger crowd, you know, sell a few records while you're out there, mm-hmm. kind of thing, uh, that's got to help. Yeah, absolutely. We haven't had anybody come up to the stage at the end of the night yet uh, and say, "Hey, here's a here's a check for your first record." <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that happened to too many people, even when that was happening. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, as you think about that that next level, what's your vision? When do you when do you say, you know, what we this is our launch pad? Is it like this year you got to make it make it big, or are you getting kind of a five year plan, ten years? What's your what's your dream? It's, it's the same deal. It's it's out of our control. Yeah, like, you can't really predict it. 
you know if you say you know this year it's going to happen then it won't happen you know what I mean yeah I think for now just kind of keep doing what we're doing and uh, you know keep the shows and keep mm-hmm. writing and getting a bunch of songs out there and you know take just don't stop yeah Wait, just don't, don't stop you're probably aware I mean the Every year, it's even a little bit more different when it comes to like, how do you achieve that next level? Mm-hmm. Where do you focus? And you know, do we stay in town? Do you go on tour? Do you move to a different city? All these questions, um, and the ways that you get on tours now with the bands that you want to tour with is different than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there's upfront capital involved there too, right? So right. Um, you have to be very careful about the limited resources that you have, and make sure that do we feel like we've done everything we can in minnesota yet if mm-hmm. not then let's keep doing that because we need that momentum before yep. you take and it to that support. next, next yep. level yep well and there are certainly rooms that you can play you mentioned first avenue you know that really provide a springboard and you guys have played the turf club so you know those folks you mm-hmm. played seventh street you know so there's an opportunity to work with that that group um but then there's of course you know the new fillmore coming in town yep. yeah so there's yeah. lots of great the, opportunities the myth, yep. the myth, oh, myth. Yeah. The myth yeah we should get in there yeah, so there. I mean, there's lots of different ways. You know, I think about there's some bands like Cold Kingdom and, and Gabriel and the Apocalypse who are out touring right now, yeah. who are making their way that way and getting that that sort of exposure. Um, then there are other bands who are just putting out records and you know almost just studio bands. So there's a lot of lot of paths to success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's the plus side of it, right? Is um, you can do it in whatever way works best for your band mm-hmm. and your audience and and. Uh, you don't have to just pack up a van and start, you know, crossing your fingers and walking into venues across the states. Yeah. You got to be a bit more calculated and make sure that you're doing it uh, in a way that's preserving your resources, but getting the outcome that you want. Yeah. And it becomes even almost more challenging to be, you have to be efficient, right, with that. Because in the past, like, there were people who were handing you checks yeah. when you were up yep. on stage. And now you've really got to make it on your own, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now those people are collecting checks <laughs> and do you feel like there's there's a uh, a need for you to get out with physical music or do you feel like the digital distribution is a path that you guys can can have success with yeah i mean it, it's got to be i think both there's some folks that just like the aspect of a tangible physical copy whether mm-hmm. it's a vinyl record or press to cd or whatever mm-hmm. um so we'll definitely keep going with some of those um working with local music shops and record stores to have a presence there is important yeah mm-hmm. i think that's why people like them as well it is mainly just to hold something like you buy the cd and then you go listen to it on spotify you know yeah yep. i mean there's something special about having that you know double gatefold album to yeah. look at reading the lyrics right there printed in front of you kind of definitely thing. Yep. i mean that's a that's a great a great experience as, as well but costs money right i mean that's that's another yeah. investment that you have to make yep. um even though you know the payoff can be worth it can yeah. be well we've we've almost blown through an entire hour guys this has been a really fun conversation uh we're gonna play one more song of yours uh, that's relatively new last to know um so before we do that i want to just kind of have you guys talk us through the song a little bit and tell us what we're gonna hear Stalker, do you want to maybe start um well i think as far as guitar playing goes because that's what i love um <laughs> this is probably mine and bill's I think it's probably some of our best work, honestly. I agree. As Most as dual lead wise. work. Um, I think we really complement each other in this song. Um, I also think this is uh, some of Chris's best vocal work as well. Agreed. It's just a very high energetic song. Yeah. It, it really is a great high energy song. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great con- contrast to the to the A side on the single oh, yeah. uh, as well. Um, what are some of the key things that you want people to, to notice about the song? I mean, what are some of the things that you guys feel particularly proud of? From my own observations, I really, like Stalker said, the dual leads um, and the harmony that they put into that, um, there's a big section in there where they're, uh, towards the end, where they're doing that uh, couple patterns that are pretty quick and they Mm -hmm. stay precise. Doing that live is a challenge, so getting it on the record was cool. Um, Joe did phenomenal on the the bass line, um, and Logan's uh, choice of drum patterns is pretty sick, too, so it, it came together together nicely that's when people notice how big it is yeah like it's a massive song like it, it doesn't stop like you no, press play and it goes up. for <laughs> three minutes and... <laughs> and so before we let you guys go tell us how people can follow you where can they find your music how do they get to know more about you 
find us on uh, all the major uh, social channels. So go find us on Facebook. You'll get all the details for the show on uh, the 22nd coming up here at Amsterdam. Please buy a ticket, and we'd love to see you there. Uh, we're on Instagram as well, and then each of us have our own individual kind of channels if you want to follow mm-hmm. band members and stuff. Um, and our website, stormbreakerband.com. Um, go check us out. Yeah. And uh, I think that's it. And, and where do people buy tickets to the Amsterdam show? Uh, the, currently, you can get it for 10 bucks only online. So there's um, through our Facebook event, you can go straight there, or you can actually go to Amsterdam's website, and they have a ticket section there. You click the link. It's through Eventbrite. Real simple process. Um, Great. Yep. So maybe when we get off air, you guys can give me the link, and I'll put it up on the uh, on the Facebook page for the Perfect. show. Yeah, we'd appreciate yeah. it. Um, people can follow it from cool. there. All right. Well, we're going to move right into the last song of the day here. This is Last to Know by Stormbreaker. Gentlemen, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks. Appreciate it.